0: Welcome to the Peace Church D Group Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Perry, the Mobilization Pastor and D Group Leader at Peace Church. I'm here with Aaron Pierce, our Multiplication Pastor and Leader of our Discipleship Ministry. This podcast is a resource to encourage, equip, and empower D Group Leaders to lead their D Groups well. Welcome back to the D Group Leaders Podcast. We are here with episode number 10. We're going to be talking about how and when do I remove a group member. So an important thing to remember about this topic, that this may be rare that you ever have to do this, but it is important to know how to best handle these situations if they ever come up in your D group. So Aaron, as we start talking about this, what is the
1: when and how of removing a D group member? Yeah, so if you remember the last episode we dealt with how to just deal with uncommitted group members in general, and so we're kind of moving past that to say, okay, what does this look like? Because there needs to be a certain when to this. And then, you know, how do you practically do that? So um, when to remove a group member, we'll just give you four practical guidelines for that. The first, first thing is like when to remove a group member is when there's repeated uncommitment without efforts to change. So a couple caveats to that you may have group members come in that struggle with committing to some of the disciplines or committing at first and your goal is of course to help them overcome that move forward with that and so that's that's normal you're going to have seasons of that or stretches of that usually within a group but the real key to this is when there's like no effort to change right so when it's just this constant pattern of uncommitment and uh, you know that goes over a lot of different things within the D group but Um, when it's not really making an effort to change, that's when it's a problem. So uh, Brad, what are some examples of, of this? Yeah, I think one of the things to
0: consider is obviously when you're doing this, um, many people are developing a habit for the first time. So you do want to show some grace. So there may be a time where they're like, you know, I only did three of my hero journals this week or, or maybe a crazy week where they're like, you know what, I only did one or two, um. Or you got the group members that are like, you know, I didn't do any this week. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, the key thing is is what you said there when there's no efforts to change because you want to address it then. So, well, look, you know, let's, you got a chance next week to kind of catch back up and, you know, stay committed to it. But if they come in week after week and it's, you know, only did one here journal, then they're showing that there's no effort to really change. That's when you know it's a problem. Or they're just not showing up to meetings. You know, it's, something always comes up. You know, you got it in the calendar. Hey, we're going to meet here and then they just keep coming up with excuses as to why they're not, they're not there. If that's just going on and on and on, it hurts the rest of the group. Um, and so those are the things where you see okay, if it's a habitual thing then they're not really making efforts to change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you just said about, you know, when they say I'm sorry 3 weeks in a row and nothing changes, that's when it's kind of uh, that's when you know it's a pattern and not just an anomaly. And and I've dealt with this personally and different settings within my group, but when it's getting to that level of that pattern, that's when, okay, there needs to be some conversations. But even with that said, we've talked about in the last episode, that may happen and so confronting that at the beginning is key. So the second principle, um, you know, when to remove a group member is after you've confronted someone for their uncommitment at least one or two times. So, you know, we talked about this last episode, but it's not like they start that pattern and they're just removed. You know, there needs to be some conversation at least once. I personally, I like to. I'm not a fan of baseball, but it's like three strikes, you're out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would rather give them the benefit of the doubt. Confront at one time if things don't change. Have a second meeting. Say, hey, look, very clearly, if this doesn't change, you really just probably don't need to be a part of this group right now because it's not benefiting you or the group um, with this uncommitment. And so, I can tell you from personal experience in my very first group, I had to do this. Um, meet with somebody that was starting to kind of slack off. And, man, it went great. Like, they received it, they changed, and then it came back up a few months later again, and so I had to meet with them a second time. But, you know, it would have been harmful for me to just remove him without ever having that conversation. And so we want to make clear, like, when there's that pattern of uncommitment, there's not efforts to change. Confront them first, give them the opportunity to change, and then when it doesn't, that's when it needs to get to that level. Yeah.
0: At some point, you got to deal with it. You don't want to keep hearing, "I'm sorry." Every week, I'm sorry I didn't do this. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't do this because I feel like I'm dealing with Adriana there. (laughs) You know, when when I'm parenting my child and I'm telling, I say, "Stop saying you're sorry and just do what I tell you to do." (laughs) Like I'm tired of hearing, "I'm sorry." Make the change, or, or you're you're really not sorry. That's kind of how I feel like with this. They're coming in week after week. Oh man, I'm sorry I didn't do this. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't do this. You're like, at some point, you got to lay the law down a little bit and say, "Hey, look, remember you committed." And I, I guess that's why it's so important to even go back to the covenant that they signed at the very beginning of the D group. I think bring that out. Be like, hey, look, don't you remember? You signed it and said, I'm going to be committed to the meetings. I'm going to be committed to doing my here, girls. I'm going to be committed to these things and say, so, look, I'm just holding you accountable to what you said you were going to do.
1: Yeah, you're right, Brad. Like that's the covenant is your lifesaver, right? Because you don't have to be the bad guy. You're saying, look, we already agreed to this up front. You knew what you were getting into. Uh, And you're right, like, you don't want that, and it sets a bad tone for the rest of the group, too. And so definitely, you know, don't remove them until you've had that conversation after the pattern. The third principle is um, a little bit different, right? So instead of thinking of uncommitment, it's when there's a flagrant violation of trust. So what we mean here is, like, they're sharing stuff in the group that was very personal or private, or they're gossiping about group members. Uh, believe it or not, this has happened a couple times before. It's it's this is more rare than probably the uncommitment. Um, you know, generally people tend to respect that boundary because they know they don't want people talking about their Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. But we have had an instance where somebody wasn't sharing what was said so much as they were gossiping about. Oh, I can't believe so and so. Man, like that's a that that needs to be dealt with very strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, you need to deal with this stronger than you would even uncommitment. I, personally, you know, very little rope to this. I would kind of meet them immediately when you find out and say, look, you cannot be doing this. And if there's any resistance from them, like if they get defensive, honestly, I'd take them out right then from the group. That's oh, okay. You're not going <laughs> to off them. Okay. That sounded super dramatic, like Godfather don't style. Take them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So don't murder. I'm not condoning Okay. Um, but, Dang it. Okay, let's scratch that off. And, and, you know, you can measure the degree at which was shared. If somebody's like, hey, so-and-so isn't really committed to hear journals, that's definitely a violation of trust. It's different. You you don't kill them over that. (laughs) Only kill them over flagrant violation of trust. Okay, got it. If it's a big deal, you know, you just go ahead and—no, I'm just kidding. Uh, But you would definitely want to say, like, if they're sharing really personal stuff that was shared in the group with other people— Man, yeah. and they get defensive when you confront them about it. Honestly, I'm taking them out then and uh, there of my group and saying, look, we value too much what God is doing. We cannot have this. You know, if they receive what you're saying and, man, they feel awful, maybe they just said something, you know, still keep a guard on because, man, that it can kill the group from sharing. If, if your people know that that's being done, can so prohibit the rest of the group meetings and so honestly if they let's say they they have done that they share or they receive what you're confronting them about and they feel awful they apologize I would even have them come in and apologize to the group as well the group needs to see their brokenness over it because if they don't they'll probably start clamming up from sharing and so this is a big deal Um, again this isn't as frequent but if you run into this you got to be really aggressive and really protective not murder (laughs) <laughs> but you do need to uh, jump on that quickly to make sure that that doesn't kill the rest of your group momentum so um, that's the th- that's the third thing the fourth principle about when you should remove a group member is when there's unrepentant sin so Brad I'm gonna throw this at you okay. um, kind of off script a little but you know what's the difference in someone struggling with sin and then like walking in unrepentant sin
0: yeah for sure so you know there because there are times where in our d group meetings we ask the question like hey are, is there anything you're struggling with is there a sin issue you're struggling with? You know, when they when they acknowledge that, that's them showing you, look, I know this is a problem, and I need help with it. Um, yeah. When it's unrepentant sin, is saying, you know what? I don't care that what I'm doing is wrong, and I'm going to keep doing it. And even though God's Word says I should not do it, I'm going to do it anyway, that's when it's a major problem. I mean, sin's always a problem, but at least in the first scenario, they're coming
1: at it with, you know what? Guys, I want you all to help me because I don't want to keep going down this path. Yeah, I think of unrepentance as both a posture of heart, like you said, you know, is there a desire to change or, and then obviously it has to be followed by some action, right? So sometimes people will say, you know, like, man, I want you to help. I need, I need to get better. But after a month and nothing's changed or not even attempted to change, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's when it's like, that's when you have to have the hard conversations as a group and say, man, like we love you too much to let you keep doing this. Like you say you want to change, but nothing's changing, So unrepentant sin, what what are we meaning specifically? Like all of us are going to struggle with different sins at times. You know, we're not saying that you—so for example, if I missed prayer one day, that's not like a, uh, you know, something that I'm like going out trying to do. It just may have been a struggle that week. However, things like, you know, if there is addictive behaviors, um, if there's sexual sin involved, if there's um, just other issues, anger, things related to relationships that they're just walking and and without— um, thinking anything about so I'll give you a really practical example. Like just a simple scenario would be let's say somebody comes to you in your group um, your your meeting and they say you know they've been dating somebody for a while. you know maybe they were struggling with sexual boundaries for a while, but then they're like, hey, we moved in together last week. At that point, you know it's on you guys as the group and the group leader to say, hey, like this is not okay. this is not what God's design was. If you want to do that, you should be married, right? Like that's God's plan. And so if they receive that and change, of course, that's, you know, repentance and action. But if they're like, I still want to be a part of the group, but I know this is wrong, but we're just going to do this for the season. You know, it's, we're tied on money, whatever the excuse is. That's when you got to have the hard conversation and pretty much say, like, if you're going to be a part of this group, we need to make progress in these areas. We're not going to let you come and share your hear journals when you're living in willful sin because you can't hear from God in those situations, right? And so that's a, that's a specific example Um, Another common one that comes up is like addictions, um, whether that's alcohol, pornography, things like that. And so what I do want to give a caveat for on this, so let's say that the person in your group is walking in unrepentant sin, you know, sexual sin, uh, pornography, addictive behaviors, whatever the case may be. I would be very cautious in how you remove them in the sense that they do need to be removed and let them know like, hey, you need to deal with this. But instead of making it like, hey, you're sinful, we don't want you here, Make it more like, hey, for the sake of the group and for your health, I'm concerned that you need something that we can't give you. Let me point you to a resource or a help for the situation. Maybe they need counseling. Maybe they need something like to help their addiction so that um, you know that works out. And by the way, we as a church have resources, have connections in these things. And so if you're running into this situation, especially with like addictive behaviors, reach out to us. And we can actually give guidance on, hey, maybe we can plug them in with the counselor and let them remain in your D group so that the counselor deals with it on a deeper level, and you guys can help them in other things. And so that may be, you know, something that we look to. So don't don't think you got to handle all this on your own. Definitely reach out to us if you're running into these situations, um, and that can help kind of navigate what that looks like. And so, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's so important. And honestly that can lead us down to a
0: whole nother topic and even a series of discussions that we could have in dealing with stuff like that, because there, there may be things that come up, like you said, these addictive behaviors that honestly they're above our pay grade as D group leaders Absolutely, um, where professional help is needed because we can actually in trying to help, we can honestly do more harm sometimes uh, for people. That are really struggling. And so I think as a D group leader, like you've got to have some humility to say, you know what? I'm not I'm not prepared to be able to to deal with this. So I need to find somebody that is. Yeah. And that's just an important thing for you to do as a D group
1: leader. I'm glad you mentioned that, Brad, because we're actually gonna have a whole episode on when to refer for professional or special help. Right. And so honestly, I would a simple rule of thumb, this was told to me. Anytime you feel you see addictive behaviors, you see things that you just feel overwhelmed by reach out for help as a leader immediately. Yep. The longer you let them sit in that, the longer that you try to help and you're not qualified to help, it can do damage, like you said, mm-hmm. and that's that's so key. And uh, the humility, I love that. Like just say, hey, I don't have it all figured mm-hmm. out. By the way, as a pastor, right, like there are things I'm not trained in that I've run into that I will go and get help for. For sure. So like, if that's the case for me, like how much more for somebody that's not even been in ministry training, where well, we at least got some, you know, counseling type of training, Um, So don't at all feel bad about that. You're not letting anybody down. You're actually doing the best thing uh, for them in your group. So let me just say this. We'll kind of wrap up here on the when, um, and the next episode we'll kind of deal with the how. uh, Like now we dealt with, you know, when do I remove them? Okay, what does that look like to actually go through with it? Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for joining us. Yeah, this
0: will be part one of when and how do I remove a group member. So just to kind of walk back through it really quick. So when do I do it? I do it, one, when there's repeated, uncommitted, Uh, Uncommitment without efforts to change The second reason is After you've confronted someone For their uncommitment at least one or two times So you've confronted them but yet That pattern still remains Or if there's flagrant violation of trust They've ruined that trust that's in the group Or when there's unrepentant sin So again those are four uh, uh, Wins of When to remove a group member And so we'll be back next episode To talk about how to remove A group member from your D-group don't kill him, like Aaron said earlier.
1: <laughs> That'd be good advice. <laughs>